0: My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. What comes to mind when you hear the phrase phone sex operator? Let me take a guess. You see a middle-aged woman in curlers, knitting in her kitchen, meanwhile grunting unenthusiastically on the phone. And this is probably all happening pre-internet, right? Maybe in, say, the 80s or the 90s. Today's guest is living proof that the medium is not only alive and hopping today, but that it can make for an empowering and lucrative career for those who might be interested. Amberly Rothfield is a 13-year veteran of the phone sex industry who specializes in BDSM and domination, among other spicy things. She's also written a comprehensive manual on entering and thriving in the phone sex industry. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so thankful that you're listening. I have a feeling we're going to have a blast in the studio here today exploring these topics. We'll also weigh in for a listener who's eager to restore her sexual self-confidence following a toxic relationship with the help of our resident sex and relationship expert, Dr. Megan Fleming, with takeaways I think we can all learn something from. Remember to sign up for occasional girl boner updates at augustmclaughlin.com. I send personal notes often with goodies and news I haven't shared anywhere else there. You can also now pre-order my book Girl Boner: The Good Girl's Guide to Sexual Empowerment, which is just about to release along with Girl Boner Journal on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com and Target.com. If you'd like to support Girl Boner Radio subscriptions, ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio are also super appreciated. Now, I'm so pleased to welcome Amberly Rothfield to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it and I love I actually pre-ordered your book already.
0: Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. I have a copy of yours as well here, and I'm so grateful for it. I see so much passion in the way that you approach this topic and also your will to really help other
2: people. That's my that's my biggest goal. Cuz when I started in this industry, I had nothing. I had nothing to my name, not even I had two pairs of shoes and a shirt and a shor- pair of shorts. So, I want to give back to people like that. Mm-hmm.
0: You also said that phone sex operating has helped save your life. And I really want to dig into that because I think people have these mixed ideas about what sex work is, but phone sex operating in particular, I haven't heard anybody really speak about it the way that you have. And I'm really thankful for that. But I know you didn't start out empowered around these topics. What did you learn about sex and sexuality when you were a kid? Mm, That's a good question.
2: Not much. (laughs) I grew up in Dallas, Texas and very repressed area um and I remember going in sixth grade sixth grade we learned about sex and it was ask your parents literally our teachers just saying you ask your parents don't if you're having any like urges to touch other people I was like terrified to hug people after sixth grade because I was like we're not supposed to touch people what do you mean because <laughs> it was confusing they were like no just you, you shouldn't touch people um, if you're having urges to touch each other, just, like, go tell a teacher. And I was just like, what are you talking about? They wouldn't elaborate. But, yeah, we learned nothing. Um, and I didn't have a mom. So my mom left when I was nine, so right before any major changes happened, And I got my period at school. So since you didn't learn anything, were you scared when you got your period? I was also really sporty, so I was a mixture of terrified. And, like, this probably isn't as bad as I think it is. I'm not in pain. Yeah, so if I'm bleeding but there's no pain, I'm probably okay. I went to the school nurse. School nurse is like, "Here's a pad," and then she explained a little bit more, but really, she just said this is gonna happen once a month. Use pads. Tell your dad to buy your some. And I'm like, "But, but why is it happening?"
0: <laughs> what was the first positive thing you learned about sex?
2: Jeez. Uh, geez, uh, I must have been. I was probably like 18 when I started in phone sex. And that was when I began to learn that other people are talking about it. It's not this huge taboo thing.
0: So take us back to that. Do you remember the day you made the decision to give this a try? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I was, um, I left my dad's house because he kind of became a little bit of an alcoholic after my mom left and he spiraled down. He, he came back up, but before he came back up, I, my mom came back five years later and I went to go live with her and she's not, she wasn't the best of person for a child to live with. So at the age of 17, I was on my own. I was on my own for a year, bouncing from friend's house to friend's house, everyone thinking I'm sleeping over. (laughs) And right before I was going to graduate high school, I needed a job, but I didn't know how to drive a car. I didn't have a car. didn't have anything to my name. Couldn't really get back and forth between like school and, uh, and, and potentially work. So I see this ad in the thrifty nickel and it was like, Phone um, actresses. It, I remember it didn't say phone sex. Okay, I'll apply. When I found out what it was, I went into this building, found out what it was. I was like, okay, so I can do this from home. I can do anything from home. I can do anything long enough to get enough money to be able to get a better job. And I, I, I took them up on it. And it was later that night they did the teaching where you like listen to other calls, and I was like they're talking about all this stuff that we never were allowed to talk about. What is, I didn't even, I didn't even know what doggy style was. This is how like innocent I was. I was like, what's that? So I Google and I was like, Oh, well actually no, there wasn't Google at the time. It was like, ask Jeeves. This is how <laughs> way back it was. So I, I, but I used search engine and I found out and I was like, Oh my, Oh my stars. Okay. Um, and that was like, that's what I learned. Like, it could be fun. It could be pleasurable. And like the people I talked to, they didn't sound like they were dirty, disgusting perverts. They didn't want me to do anything that was super. It's also the company I worked for. They wouldn't let us talk about certain things, but no one asked me to talk about anything that was uncomfortable. So I was like, wow, this would be good.
0: So what was your first experience like? Do you remember your first clients? Did
2: you log on and then there you were? The company I worked for, because I work for, I work for myself now, but I worked for a company. So it was round robin, whatever call comes in, you get. And they even told us that we had several characters that we had, we had character profiles. I was definitely acting at seven different characters. So if a guy came back through and you weren't what he was looking for originally, you have to switch characters. <laughs> it, I hope it's not too much like, cut this if it's bad, but some of it, some people consider it's more racist today, but back then it was okay. Like I had a black character and she, they told me they're like, you want different ethnicity characters. And when a guy calls in, he wants black. He really wants like ghetto. So I had like Shionka. That was my go-to like lives in the hood, loves to eat watermelon black character. And uh, Rain was like my 18 year old kind of, Valley girl, doesn't know what she's doing with her life, <laughs> character. You had freedom within that, but they did say, you know, you're going to want, you know, Black's popular, BBW's popular, um, Asian's popular. You want a milfier character. You want a gilfier character, grandma character.
0: I'm so glad that we're moving away from race being fetishized, but it still is.
2: It still is. And I mean, I'm I'm half Black. So I can say, and I'm BBW. I, I like profiting from what makes me unique, too. So,
0: I love that, too, that there is this popular category of BBW, Big Beautiful Women, because there's this stereotype that sex work involves
2: only Barbie-shaped people, which isn't true. Oh, God, no. Eliza Allure, um, she started the BBW Award Show, and I do some PR for her. I call her the chick starter. If she tweets you out, you're going to have like 300 people follow you out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, She, and she's a BBW. She's, she's a big girl and she works it in, in many different aspects of the industry. Porn being uh, like video producing, um, doing makeup, modeling. Oh my gosh. It's, It's, I've seen her paychecks and I'm like, dear God,
0: So at what point did you start to see this was more lucrative and were you enjoying it?
2: Um, So I had some previous jobs before uh, when I lived closer because I had to move away because of the whole 17 year old year thing. And I was making peanuts. I was making five bucks an hour because that was legal back then. And, you know, cost of living was a lot lower back in the early 2000s. And when I started working for phone sex, I was, I was making double than that overnight because I was making like, I think, I don't remember the exact rate I was getting paid, but it was something like 25 cents a minute. Now I wasn't on, I wasn't on the phone every single minute that I was logged in, but I was logged in a good chunk enough to where I was making to me, it seems laughable in the state age, but $500 a week to an 18 year old, no children living on your own fresh out of high school to me back then. And especially given the times I was like, Oh my God, I'm in the money. I'm the richest girl in here. Yeah. So to me, I was just like, I'm I'm not going to get in a job. I'm not, this is fine. This is great. And, um, and then I, I'm not to say that I've never tried going back into more vanilla type jobs, but every time I go in, like I worked at Walmart for a short stint and I was like, I can't do it. I can't I have a boss. You're such an
0: independent spirit, which I say is a really big compliment. I see you as very driven and creative and you're such an idea person. So You see opportunity. You're very entrepreneurial by nature, it seems. So I can see not wanting a conventional career or sitting at a desk or retail or whatnot. Was the process fun? Were you enjoying working with clients, like getting to know them?
2: I did. I did. I did. I loved it. You would, the number one thing I tell people in, actually, this is just ubiquitous across all industries, but especially phone sex, is rapport with your core, um, your core Callers. I had like six or seven guys that would call in because the gr- one thing I learned about my company very quickly was if a guy calls in and says, I want to speak to Rain, they would, even if it's round robin, he goes to me. So now they would tell him if I wasn't on, oh, she's not on. You want to check back in 30 minutes? you want to go with the girl? I kept my times consistent, and with my times being consistent, the guys knew I would be on. They would call for me, and I kept those minutes of not having a phone call to a minimum. But uh, yeah, I was building the rapport and you can't build rapport unless you like someone or you're a damn good actress and I haven't won a Grammy. So, um, (laughs) I focused on trying to find something I did like, like sometimes they would do stuff or tell me stuff that I didn't like, but I'm like, let's just focus on the stuff that I do like about you. So,
0: so in a session, I'm sure they all varied a lot, but how quickly did you get to the sexual stuff or was there a lot of conversation about the day first?
2: guys would call me up and be like, Hey, how was Junior's soccer game last night? Um, wow. You and your wife went out to the opera three days ago. How did that go? Like stuff like that. Like I would get to really know them. Mm -hmm. I like to tell people I was the girlfriend you can walk away from. We would get, we do get into sex. I actually had a conversation with one of my longtime clients the other day. He's like, every time I call you, you say next time we're going to play. Next time we're going to have a hypno session. And I was like, Mother mother Stinker, I move as quickly as you do. And if you just keep talking about mundane things for an hour, so will I.
0: You do hypnosis as well. Is that part of the sexual conversation? Do you do like
2: sexual hypnosis? I do sexual hypnosis. I mean, some of it's more of the, it's, it's role play. But I do do the sexual stuff where it's like, oh, like you're, I want you to imagine that you are this six foot four guy. And it's usually this really short guy that will want that. And that you have this massive dick and, and and they're just, they love it. They love doing stuff like that. Or the other one that guys like hypnosis with is like, whenever I use keywords, you'll turn into a sissy. With hypnosis, they want, it's like, they want me to turn them into something that they air quote are not. It's something they couldn't do unless someone made them do it. Air quotes.
0: It's so interesting how it seems that our opposite personalities can come out sexually. I know a lot of people who are more dominant in the bedroom or more passive and submissive in their work life or vice versa, or maybe they have like a really intense work life and they are the boss and they want
2: to be bossed around in the bedroom. Most of my clients say I'm a, I'm a dom. I find myself more naturally in a femme dom kind of role. I really like telling people what to do, apparently. <laughs> and... All my clients tend to be like these more high-profiled, more higher income, higher educated type clientele. Mm -hmm. And when I've done submissive work, and I'm not trying to like stereotype just because you're like, if you are a more dominant male does not mean you cannot be successful. But a lot of the dominant guys that would call in were not the most affluent or sometimes the most educated.
0: Did you prefer to work with a more submissive? Because that goes really well with your own personality. You... Kind of specialize.
2: Yeah, I, per- I prefer to work with more submissive males because I've done. I've like when I worked with that company, I had to take whatever call came in. If a guy wanted to like hog tie me and beat me senseless, I had to get in. I couldn't get into it. I was the worst. Like the um, they had call monitors <laughs> that would listen, and they'd be like, "You can't do those calls. You really suck at them." And I'm like, "I'm trying. I'm trying really hard." So I just found my niche from taking all kinds of calls.
0: Which is so great, and I imagine through doing that, especially when you're brand new to adulthood, you are getting to know yourself as an adult, and that must have really been powerful for your sense of self-confidence. Yeah, it really was. It really
2: was. I I got to try on many hats. and mm-hmm. I like to tell people, I got to try on many hats for free, meaning – this is an interaction between me and you and as soon as you're done it's over it's not like a boyfriend that you're like trying out things I have to worry about his feelings and is he going to uh, still love me tomorrow or whatever this is gonna change our dynamic change nothing Um, so I got to learn so much oh my god and everyone's like well do you have to know a ton to get into phone sex you can know nothing these guys are so willing to teach you the moment you're like well I've never done that but tell me more about it this could be interesting The moment you tell the guys, I have no idea uh, what this is, they're like, yes, okay, I got you. Like, I hold on. What what page in the book do you want to start with first?
0: (laughs) So I received a really interesting question that relates to confidence and also relationships. I know we were speaking earlier. We've both had some history of rocky relationships in our personal lives. So I think we'll have something to say to our listener, Jessica, who wrote this. I'm healing from a relationship in which I was forced to be financially dependent on a man who was very controlling. I'm making progress in therapy, but we don't really talk about sex. He's not a sex therapist, and also he's a guy, and I felt weird bringing it up. Anyway, my self-esteem around sex has been really low. My ex was controlling by denying me sex and sometimes making fun of me for how I made love. I'm wondering if you have advice for getting my confidence back, as I used to be a very sexual person. Jessica. Jessica. Jessica, thank you so much for your question. Just so you know, you are a beautifully sexual person. I believe that we are all sexual by nature and however you define that is beautiful. And my heart really goes out to you because I know what it's like to be in a relationship where somebody is controlling. Thank you for your brave question. Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming of Great Life, Great Sex had to say.
1: Jessica, thanks so much for your question. And First, I just have to say, I'm so glad that you are finally out of this very toxic relationship. Um, you know, August is no stranger and it certainly talked about uh, her own experience that, you know, initially you can get sort of swept off your feet and have the fantasy of a soulmate um, by somebody who is sociopathic or, narcissist or narcissistic on that spectrum, but though ultimately is a soul sucker in that sense of control and the effect that that's had on your own self-esteem and self-confidence. And so I think it's great that you're in therapy and it sounds like overall that's being effective, I'm gonna give you some um, thoughts and tools about how to develop your sexual self-confidence, but I would also say that, you know, bring it up with your therapist, um, because when and if he's not comfortable, listen, then maybe he can, you can have a consultation or meet with somebody else and do a different piece of the work around the sex therapy and, you know, and they could be collaborative in the process of working with your therapist, but ultimately, I want you to know that you're not alone in this process, he's there for you, but when and if he's not helpful on this particular aspect, you know, know that there are so many both men and women completely comfortable and really helping you to sort of not only own your sexy, but sort of reclaim your sexual confidence. Um, So first, I think it's great that, again, you have been and you've owned and known being a very sexual person and knowing your own pleasure, um, because Ultimately, that is where I want you to reconnect to. Um, You know, you've already paid a huge price um, for the relationship that you're in, and now is the opportunity. Like the the sort of the crisis is the opportunity, and this is the opportunity for freedom. That the world is your oyster to learn from everything that happened in that relationship, and now to invite one that is happy, healthy and sexy, basically inviting the relationship or relationships that you desire. Um, so, you know, I really want you, first of all, to reconnect and remember that you are a sexual person. Realizing that confidence is not something anybody else can give you, it's something that we give ourselves. And the reality is, no matter, even if we're looking at celebrities or, you know, anyone we might con- consider to be a superstar, the reality is, you're not born that way, right? Confidence is a skill. um, And it has so much to do with, in part, knowing what your turn-ons are and what gives you pleasure. So if you've become disconnected from that, I definitely want you first to sort of explore self-stimulation and masturbation, and really remember and discover uh, what your true turn-ons are, because once you know what really feels good to you, then you're gonna be able to communicate that to any future partners, um, and another important part of this is, I think, how we take care of ourselves. Think of our body as a vessel, right? That, you know, getting the exercise, the sleep, the eating well, feeling really good, strong, flexible in your body, um, so so that you know you're feeling, in a sense, uh, feeling like I mean, again, feeling good in your body is, I think, something that women often get their thoughts can get in the way. And so that's sort of the second piece. First of all, take care of your body. But the second part of that is monitor your thoughts. I often say like a cartoon bubble above your head. What is that inner dialogue? Because chances are for a lot of women that I work with, it's not so sexy. And whether that's about body image or it's about uh, these negative experiences. I mean, the fact that in any way a partner made fun of you, I mean, I'm like cringing inside That that is just so awful and toxic and I just, you know, I have the utmost empathy, but it's it's also the awareness of like, do not perpetuate that. Like that's an inner bully, right? Like um, the the idea of like nonviolent communication, and I'm like, yeah, between your ears, right? Really work on that. There is no nonviolent, no bullying communication between your ears. So you really want to eradicate anything that has happened, and instead infuse yourself and you know what we focus on expands, right? What we resist persists. So really allow yourself, choose your thoughts um, and in that direction, as I said, of what gives you pleasure. Um, because ultimately, you know, as I said, it's not something someone gives to you, but it really is a power that comes from within. And it's not really even about sex at all. It really is about liking, accepting yourself, and knowing what gives you pleasure. So reconnect to that. And as always, definitely please follow up. Love to hear how it goes.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I love what she had to say about the inner bully and changing that inner dialogue. I call it the inner naysayer in my book. I have that little section on reprogramming your thoughts because that can be some of the worst type of bullying. My heart also really ached hearing that she was made fun of. And Jessica, I hope that you can really hear that message from Dr. Megan that so much is possible for you and you are healing whatever time that takes is okay what struck you most about it
2: jeez who the f- makes fun of someone in bed i mean i do it all the time in my phone sex stuff but they're asking for it i i practice bdsm in my real life too and we're real big like i have you, do you know about munches so someone comes, a lot of times people will come to our munches. And for those who don't know, a munch is when a BDSM community has like, we're all in normal clothes in a normal place. And we're talking like normal to see if you are in fact normal. And if you come to a munch and you're acting all BDSM-y and you're like talking down to men or talking down to women, we will not invite you to come to our play parties. I want her to know that that's not acceptable. That's not BDSM. That's it's horrific. I, I say horrific things to my pets on a daily basis and they love it. And if she was not loving it, if it was not something she asked for, it was not something that she was okay with. If that was a boundary, then that's not acceptable. And honestly, it's not true. When we say ugly things to other people, it's usually because that's actually what we, we abhor in others, what we really hate about ourselves. And that's something I'm, thirty two and I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, Oh my god, that's so true when I'm like, gosh, that person's such a this or that I'm like oh, I'm a little bit of watch my my hypocrisy showing. Good point.
0: Yeah, your own wounds could really come out and be misdirected for sure. And I also think that when you're with somebody who's controlling, they might be on the narcissism sociopath spectrum. And when that's the case, since Dr. Megan mentioned the soul suckers, I have a blog post you can all find if you Google from soulmate to soul sucker. And I shared about my relationship with a sociopath who, of course, I didn't realize he was at the time until years later that I actually realized what that personality even was. But he wooed me and everything seemed Perfect from the outside and from the onset everything can seem so incredible and by the time you are fully in that sometimes that is when their true colors come out and it's so hard because you believe that you love this person and you remember the goodness and you thought that was real and you, you cling to it and you think you can fix them you know you can help them and it seems like Jessica might be experiencing that if she's having these thoughts in her head about her own worth in the bedroom or sexually I actually interviewed two different women who dated sociopaths in my Dating a Sociopath series, which you can find on iTunes or my website. And it was really interesting to me how sociopathy and narcissism can impact your sex life my sex with a sociopath episode from last year, I talked with a therapist who works with sociopaths, and we were talking about how sometimes sex is withheld as a means of control, and sometimes sex becomes an abusive situation, which isn't sex anymore, of course. That's not actual intimacy, so it's really challenging, but I love that Jessica is getting support and has the goal of moving forward. I also loved what Dr. Megan said about confidence being a skill. It's not something that we have to just automatically have, and especially when we haven't been treated well.
2: Exactly. Confidence comes from repeating something over and over again until you know that you're doing it right, and if she's been knocked down for doing something wrong, of course you're not going to be confident, but just because you're criticized doesn't not mean the critique is, is valid, so that's something I have to tell myself all the time. Um, we're both entrepreneurs. We have fans. People tell us stuff all the time all the time. I get, especially being black and being BBW, I get negative stuff all the time and you've just got to learn how to filter out what's good actual criticism you can take and what's actual criticism that is not. And if you're telling me the guy was a narcissist sociopath and then he picked on you in bed, I would like to say this is not probably criticism that you should take like not even with a grain of salt you should just reject it especially in bed like you can tell me you prefer this this helps me get off this gives me more pleasure that's not that's not saying oh you you suck at giving head
0: i also wonder if for some people focusing on masturbation for a while would be really important for boosting confidence because i know it's known to boost self-confidence and awareness regardless but also when we start to feel concerned that we are not sexy enough not sexual enough for another person, really focusing on our own pleasure and reconnecting with our own body can be so powerful. I'm also a really big fan of journaling because I think it can help you get to your thoughts and let them out without any judgment. There are so many ways to really focus on self-care.
2: I know. I, I believe that the people that masturbate more often are, have a lot more confidence, especially in bed. You know what gets you off. You know what's going to work for you. And then the more you know what's going to work for you, the more you can teach someone what's going to work for you.
0: Yeah, and you don't end up doing what I did early on, which is have whole relationships because really you should have just masturbated. You don't want a relationship, but then suddenly you're horny and then you meet someone and then you think because we're raised that a, quote, good girl has to marry that person she has sex with. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, I'm from Texas. That's what we're supposed to do. I did the same thing. I've had many relationships that should not have been relationships. It's just you're cute, you'll do, and I guess I have to date you now.
0: So I know you've met a whole range of people and you've had a lot of really wonderful relationships you've cultivated professionally and you have one very special
2: person in your life. He's like the most, I I don't know how he was crafted. I was done looking. Yeah. I was like, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to build my business. I'm going to live independently. I'm going to kick it for like five years. Nah that was not that was not in the cards. Had I been out bar hopping and stuff, wouldn't have found him.
0: Maybe it's a fun thing to do and sometimes you just want to have casual interactions and that's cool too. What were some of the most bizarre phone sex experiences you've had?
2: I tell this one a lot but it doesn't get old. Um I'll give you one new one and then the classic one. The classic one is guy calls up and it sounds t- it sounds like we were in a tin can. I, I let that go. I let it go. Talked to him a few times. And he turns around and he's like, um, he's like, well, I've only got about 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Cool. So we get it straight into the sex talk. And after he's done and he's thanking me, um, I was like, so how's the wife? And she's like, oh, she's home. And I'm like, you never call me when she's home. He's like, yeah, I found a new place to sneak off. She won't find me. I'm like, where are you? He's like, I'm in the trunk of a car. And it was like a, like, 1980s Chrysler where it doesn't have the pull, the glowing pull handle to get out. And I was like, okay, um, that's a new one. And then you can hear him kicking. And, oh like, gosh. he can't get out of the car. And he starts freaking out. I'm like, you need to calm down because I'm guessing there's not a lot of oxygen. Well, let's call your wife. No, she'll kill me. And I'm like, I think the oxygen's going to kill you faster. He starts hyperventilating and so I'm trying to calm him down. I'm trying to, like, use my best, like... 911 emergency voice to try and talk reason into him. And then about 10 minutes later, you hear footsteps and then you hear a banging on the door and then you hear it open and she goes, dinner's ready, dumbass. I did not believe that. So another extremely crazy one was this guy who was obsessed with stealing panties. I learned this is a guy that taught me I have to watch what I tell them to do. Because 99% of the time, it's just fantasy. This is not going to happen. So I've been talking to him for months about going to a laundromat late at night, waiting for some college kid that's passing out. She's going to go sleep on the bench while the stuff's in the dryer. And he's like, well, I want like dirty panties. I don't want just a pair of her panties. And I'm like, well, you know, go tell her that, you know, her car has a flat when she's looking, steal a pair. So he calls me up late one night. And we're going through this same fantasy that we've done for like months. And all of a sudden I hear like the door, a door open, you hear a little bell. And I'm like, okay, whatever. He's getting into the cosplay of it. He goes inside. He walks up to a lady. He's like, you've got a flat tire. And this is literally what I just told him to do. And I was like, no, 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 no. Dangerful Robinson, stop, stop, Houston, we have a problem. And I'm I'm, I'm sitting there going, stop, stop, no, abort. And she's like, oh, my God, like, my, my car, oh, my, out there, was it, a, like, a blue Celica? And he was like, yeah, it's a blue Celica that's out there, like, the car, so much is last tire. She takes off. He, all of a sudden, you hear hands just rifling through clothes, just, <laughs> and then he goes, aha, grab, I'm, I'm not kidding, just like that, aha, uh-huh! grabs a pair, bolts just takes off you hear huffing and puffing and running and then you hear a girl in the background going why did you throw my clothes everywhere and he gets in his car and takes off and I was like I I think I was a partner to a crime there was that a crime then he's like I, if I go to jail this is like this guy researched if he got what's chill how long he would like be?" he's like I'll be in jail for three days it's $75 fine it's not that bad and I'm like oh no, you have to watch. You have to watch what you tell guys to do. Which brings up a really
0: interesting point because I know you want to provide a good example for other people who want to develop these kinds of careers and be entrepreneurial. Is personal safety something you consider? Should you have a cell phone that is not traceable, for example?
2: Which it depends works? on the service they're using. If you're using, um, there's a lot of like 1-800 phone number services where it masks your phone, it routes the call out to you. Uh, some of them, they pay, they charge you by minute then you have to do your own advertising but like I use NightFlirt for ninety percent of my stuff and they call into a one eight hundred number it routes to me They do take a percentage because they also advertise you. most people are not bad people. I've right. actually been docs yeah um because I used a model's photos for the longest time like I've this, this is the longest time that I've used my own photos, which is not long. it's only been about a year I came out of the phone closet um but I used a model and why did she have to go get famous? Because when I first found her photos, like, I bought them legally, everything up front, it was okay, these are photos, and she was like, make nobody, which is not a bad thing, but then when she, like, blew up in the UK, everyone's like, you're stealing Kate Harrington's photos, and I'm like, but I'm not. She got an AVN award, and, like, I actually reached out to her, and she started doing, um, by the time her career ended, I was paying her more than the shoot she was booking. So she's making most of her money off me. But when I first approached her, she was like, you want to use my photos to do what? And I was like, well, I've already been, and I already have like a ton because you did a ton of stock work. <laughs> so, and I'm not going to stop because it's legal. And I mean, it's, you're doing porn, I'm doing porn. So it's actually, um, in the terms of service warning to anyone who wants to use stock photos, there are specific adult stock sites to go to. Where do you get your business savvy from? School of Hard Knocks. I've fallen down many, many times and I've gotten back up exactly one time more than I have fallen down.
0: Is it your personality to be driven? Did you grow up that way?
2: Okay, I'm not gonna lie. Like I was the Girl Scout cookie salestress of the entire Tarrant County. I was, I was little and I was adorable and I was Big eyes, and I knew it. I knew it. I stood on top. We had like a table, kind of like this one, and I was stood on top of it. Asia Four, and we're outside of Albertsons, and I'm just like cookies, two fifty a box, and I'm I'm shoving them in people's hands. So maybe maybe it's a little bit born with it, but I think some of it's Maybelline.
0: What inspired you? I know you said you want to help people, but what specifically inspired you in this way? Why did you feel it was important to write this book and make it available to people?
2: So everybody in their dog knows about cam girls in this day and age. Everybody in this dog knows about porn actresses and porn models. Not always the same. Some girls just model. Some girls do film. Not a lot of people, actually most people think phone sex is A, dead. Um, and B, a lot of people don't know that a lot of phone actresses don't even use their own photos. So the average house mom who they're struggling, cause right now almost everybody's struggling. The average person struggling right now is like, what can I do work from home? I don't have resources. I, I don't want to spend more gas. Who the heck wants a boss? If you can avoid it, um, what can I do to bring in some extra income? And I decided about a year and a half to come out of the closet. Stop using Kate Harrington's photos. Use my own photos to show that, A, black girls make money, black fat girls make money, and you also don't even have to use your own face. You can make insane amounts of money and not even have to leave your house. And I knew that I, since I had come from nothing, I had, again, two pairs of shoes, one pair of shorts, and, like, two shirts. That's it. I was able to get to where I am now why am I it felt greedy it felt greedy to hold it all into myself and to not share that with other people when other people could be benefiting from it especially in this day and age
0: what do you think are some of the biggest takeaways I know it's full of practical tips I mean you list out how to's different ways to market yourself if you could give us just a couple of the biggest most important takeaways what would they be
2: the biggest takeaways I would say is, um, if you've never done any kind of sex work, start with a company. They do pay less, but you'll find they pay more than the average, you know, minimum wage job. Um, started a company, learn on someone else's dime. I learned so much working at that company that when I started off on my own, I really didn't have to, um, I didn't have to fall down and pay for it out of my own pocket. If I didn't know about a fetish, if I didn't know about a certain law, that company, they taught me how to do my taxes. They taught me how to, um, they taught me all about all kinds of fetishes, what type of audio setups to have, how to protect myself. Cause I actually know girls who got stalked because they gave out too much information over time. Not like in one call, but over time guys were able to piece it together, find them.
0: That's so important. I've noticed that in film and fashion, too, where if you're not working with a reputable company and you're just putting yourself out there and you're applying to random ads online, you could end up, again, most people are good, but you could end up running into a shark. They're in every industry, but especially when something about your appearance has to do with your business, it can bring those sharks out who really want to take advantage or even just people who are more vulnerable because they know what you are really eager for you're brand new to Hollywood you're looking for work would you say it's pretty easy to sort out the reputable companies that will look out for you from the sharks the
2: second company air quotes that I worked for was a random person I found on a message board who was like come work for me you'll make more money than at that company I should stay with the company Um, it was a good, that's actually where I got doxed at. She passed out my information to everybody, which is also where I learned that doxing isn't as scary as you would think. Because I worked for her, she had all my personal information, my address, my name, my social security. She passed that out to everybody. She put it out on web boards, uh, to find my real name, and really is not my real name. You, it, you wouldn't take much. She just gave it away because she got kind of mad at me because I found out some of her business practices weren't on the up and up. And I was like, I don't want to attach my name to that. Yeah, crazy people do crazy things is what I learned. That was lesson number one. And lesson number two, doxing can be awful, but typically no one, hey, no one's going to drive to go find you. Like the crazy person in Minnesota is not coming to Las Vegas to kill me. The, the doxing and um, work for a company. Like a lot of people want to just dive into the making 10. Oh, the other thing with my book, it's how I made 10, but it's not how I made 10 grand overnight is what I like to tell people. It's not overnight. It's going to take you three years. Um, that's part of the reason I give the book out for free because I know it's not going to happen. Over- if it could happen overnight, I would charge more for the book. But because I know it's going to take time, here's it for free. Pay me back whenever you feel like it. I just want to help. But um, because it's not overnight, you have to start with the companies. You'll make great money. Then when you go out on your own, you'll be you'll be set. And you don't have to worry about those lessons that I had to learn on my own. Every overnight, what's the quote? Every overnight success was two years in the making. Two years if you're lucky. But I'm not, with the making 10 grand in phone sex, like I made that honestly within three months. And to me, that's fairly quick. I'd like to say my book lies to you in three different ways. It's not overnight. um, And it's not 100% phone sex. My biggest thing that I learned, my aha moment came at the age of 22. I remember the day. I could probably tell you the date and the time. I did not want to take calls that day, but my goal was $100 a day. And I was like, I need to make this 100 How am I going to make this and not take phone calls? I just learned about this free program, Audacity. And I had a $10 piece of crap Walmart plug into your computer microphone. I recorded a 10-minute MP3. It was the worst thing I've ever recorded. I still have it. Just talking, just talking sex. I picked a niche that I was really good at, which was blackmail, consensual, fantasy. Yeah, it's, it's usually like rich, powerful guys that just kind of want you to be the secretary that's going to let all their secrets loose. Yeah. Um, so I record this 10-minute MP3. I Not even irony. I was just basically telling you what that MP3 was. As a secretary, is going to let all the secrets loose and be sexy and all this stuff, and I'm going to take all your money. And I sent it out to all of my customers. And oh my gosh, like at the time I built up with guys calling me because on Night Flare, every time someone contacts you, they go onto your customer list. This is where I learned about email marketing before email marketing was a big thing. I guess it always was, but um, I spammed it out as a pay to view for $10. Now at the time, a 10 minute MP, a 10 minute talking with me would cost you 40 bucks. So you're getting this 75% off. And they, they, and they wanted more. They're like, can you do this next time? Can you do this? So now I have ideas for, they're literally giving me ideas for the next MP3s. I made my goal without taking a call that day. And then I went to bed. I woke up. And I made goal for that day already. Mm. I like waking up to money. So I was like, well, maybe I should record another MP3 today. I probably won't make as much money because I just put out one. No, no. The same guys who bought yesterday's were buying today's. And today's was not much different. So, yeah, that's where where I, I learned that. That was my aha moment. I'm like, and now I have something that I can resell. It's so smart. It's so creative.
0: And one thing I really love about what you shared is something I try to practice a lot, which is listening to my audience. When people ask, well, how do you decide what your topics will be? what do you decide to put in your book? What do you decide to put in your book proposal? I say, I sat myself down and I listened. And I try to listen every day to what listeners are saying to me, what they're clicking on my website, the messages they're sending. I, I want to know what I can provide that will be helpful. And you can't do that without listening. And the beauty of that is you get all of these great ideas.
2: To take it back to the whole confidence thing, it was so, you get so much confidence from like creating something and then Other people liking it. And then even if they come back with a critique, most of the critiques were not bad. It was just, hey, I had a guy tell me, he's like, I wish you had a better uh, mic so I could hear your voice better. There was a lot of background. And I was able to make these tweaks. And the guy that wanted to get better mic, I was like, well, why don't you buy me one? He was like, okay. So I got a free mic out of it. And I was like, "I'll, I'll do five MP3s for you for free. 18 year old me would never would have thought blackmail was a fetish. 18-year-old me didn't know what fetish was. It's just listening to your whoever your partner is in the moment. My partner is the guy talking to me. Um, sometimes women, but whatever. And sometimes they, whatever gender. It's listening to them and then being able to give back, you know, give, give back what they need in that moment. A lot of people think it's one way, like they're the one getting off. No, it's, it's gratifying and it boosts my ego too. So it's pleasurable for you. You get gratification
0: out of it. Is it sexually satisfying too? your job is more entertainment I know it's audio so it's not like sex work in person but is it pleasurable
2: physically yeah I I'm not gonna lie I've never masturbated on a call I've never gotten horny off of a call I've never had a call where I'm like this is good for but in a way it is kind of sexual because this is where I learned about whips and like I just had exotic I was running around with this dragon tail whip cracking it in front of the normies it was fun and I, I do know girls that do get sexual gratification from the job, I, I've never met someone, this is not to say it doesn't happen, but I've never met someone in this field that gets sexual gratification from the job who doesn't eventually regret their, because the guys, everyone's a little bit of an opportunist. Everybody kind of wants to, you know, if they see an in, they'll take it. And a lot of times the guys will be like, well, since you're enjoying this, why don't you, here's my phone number. I tried not to get that personal with my clientele. It's, it's more of like a it's safety oh doxing's not scary then I'm gonna say it's more of a safety thing it's more of a safety thing so that they're not asking for my phone number they don't want to come meet me and I'm just like "Mm, that's not gonna happen
0: which I'm sure helps you in life at large being able to set boundaries
2: it's a powerful thing to say no no is a wonderful word to be able to say I love saying no
0: (laughs) so where can people learn more about you I know you're offering your book right now for free in digital format Yes,
2: yes. Um, as of current, because you're you're an author, so you understand the KDP, Amazon thing. I enrolled my book into KDP. For those who don't know, it's the, so you can self-publish. It's coming off of KDP, so I can put it in other places soon. So right now it's on Amazon. If you want to buy it, leave a review. Or if you want it for free, DM me on Twitter at Amberlee, A-M-B-E-R-L-Y, P.S.O. Phone Sex Operator, get it? Ha <laughs> And uh, my DMs are open; anyone can. I will get a copy to you, and then pretty soon it'll be for free on all major book platforms. But that's not gonna be till like the end of July.
0: Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for
2: providing strengthening content for people. Yeah, you truly do inspire me. Your TED Talk just sang to my heart and soul. And to that, to that uh, was not caller the the person who wrote in. Screw him. And um, in screwing him, go screw yourself several thousand times and and just throw out everything he ever did to you.
0: Isn't Amberly awesome? If you are in the Vegas area, you can join the two of us along with Christina Royale and Kelly Shabari, who've both been on my show, Christina pretty recently, Kelly in the first year, at the Erotic Museum on August 18th at 2 p.m. for a panel on sex positivity and how it can better your own lives and the world. You don't want to miss that. So for details, you can head to augustmclaughlin.com and click appearances. I have a bunch of different places I'm going and I'm going to continually update that list. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. And I would really appreciate a rating and review while you're there. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.